kind of continue talking about what we talked about last time about uh, the adversary and do this this morning so then we can then uh, move back into Ephesians 5 verse 18 talking about the wine and so forth which is what got us started in all of this little journey here of looking at the big picture. When Paul says in Ephesians 5 that be not drunk with, uh, be not drunk with wine, I can't even quote it now, so you, he says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, and the wine issue there is, he's not talking about don't have a drink or going out and doing that. Rather, you know, common sense tells you don't go get drunk, all right? But rather, he's talking about the stuff we're going to be talking about here this morning and have been over the past week about the adversary. There's a system in place that's behind the scene that you and I need to be well aware of. We need to understand. We need to have an idea of. Because when we see things that happen in the world about us, there's a reason why they're happening that way. It isn't just that God created everything and said, okay, you're on your own, have a good life, we'll see you later, and left. There's a system here, there's, there's a course of the world, there's a system that God has put into place, a plan and a purpose to reconcile the world system. Okay? Now, we're going to get to that, but before that, then we went over and looked in Ephesians three there about that to the intent that we make this impact into the heavenly places and when we make that impact we're today as the angels watch and learn and see us function as who we are in Christ as ambassadors and live a godly life and take the word of God and put it into our inner man and have that that word energize the activity of our inner man and as we do that the angelic realm is watching that's what they need to know they need to see the hidden wisdom of God on full display okay but in that there's a there's a say an elect angel side and a fallen angel side and we that's kind of where we got into this we were looking at creation and what God was doing in creation and we came and we started talking about Lucifer last week we were in Isaiah 14 we're gonna get back there a little bit here again this morning but in Revelation 17 Verse number five, we see the name of the mother of all. That's kind of what I said, the mother of all. Here is the system. Now, in Revelation 17, you're getting the climactic event, the end of everything that started in Genesis 3 with, with, uh, with Satan in the garden and the fall of man and God cursing Satan with the seed of the woman, going to uh, destroy your seed, and then Satan has a lie, and off he goes with it. And what he's going to do is going to end and culminate in what we, is called the Antichrist, the false prophet. You're seeing a description of him by John here. And we just jump to verse 5. Upon her forehead, now the her, might as well start in verse 1. And there came out of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now, when he, by the way, when he uses a term like whore, he's not talking about the streetwalker, okay? Or the people down on, well, wherever they're at, I don't even know. Anyway, he's talking about spiritual wickedness, okay? He's talking about a spiritual idolatry, spiritual issues here with whom the kings of this earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Again, we're talking about spiritually here. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blaspheme having seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication and upon her forehead was a name written mystery. Now notice the punctuation here. Mystery, that's her name, is mystery, comma, Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great drags you back in your mind, I know it does instantly, 
to Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel and what Nimrod was doing there, Genesis 10, Genesis 11. Okay? What was he doing there? He was rebelling against God's word, which said, scatter, fill it up. He said, no, let's have a oneness. Let's have a unity of humanity, a one-world system, one-world government. Build a city, one-world religion. They built a tower. God's word said what? Don't do that. Scatter, break out, fill up everything. So Nimrod in rebellion says differently. Here's a lady in rebellion. Now, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And that's really kind of what we're going to hone in here. Mystery. We talked about that last time. She works in a mysterious form. In 2 Thessalonians, when Paul says, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That word iniquity is associated, every time I've found the word iniquity, is associated with the satanic policy of evil. In Isaiah 14, it's Lucifer and his fall and his I will and iniquity was found in him. We'll see it in Ezekiel 28 here in a minute. So iniquity has to do with that. So when you read iniquity, I mean, look at the context. Somewhere in there, you'll see a reference back to the adversary, his plan and his program. But she works in mystery. She's mystery has her start at Babel, but she's the what? The mother of, of all. All of the religious systems, come back with me to 2 Corinthians 11. All of the, all of the religions in the world, all of the denominations in the world, all of the stuff that is called to be worshipped originates out of the system, her, the lie program. Lucifer, Satan, Leviathan, the dragon, the crooked serpent, however you need to describe him in your thinking, that's where he comes from. So when you think about this, you got 2 Corinthians 11? <laughs> Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 2, because it's in my head, and so it needs to be in your head. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2. Look at verse 3 and 4, the culmination of this, and then we'll get back on track, I promise. 2 Thessalonians 2, look at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. You see those two titles, man of sin, son of perdition. That is the career of the Antichrist. In the first three and a half years of the 70th week of Daniel, he is the man of sin. He's a politician. He's out with a peace policy. He's doing everything in his uh, authority and thing in the Middle East over there to get the nation of Israel to be on his side and to do. He's got a policy. He comes in with flatteries. Psalm says he comes in with language that is smooth as butter, the verse says. Then in the midst of the week, he's assassinated. He's killed by a left-handed man, and he's wounded, and he's laid out in state for three days. And on the third day, the the beast of the king of the king of the bottomless pit, the beast comes and enters his body, and on the third day, you know what happens? Up from the grave he arose. He rises. And when he rises, he goes into the son of perdition. And that's when he starts hammering away and killing the overcomers and going after the nation of Israel, specifically the little flock, the believing remnant. Those who do not take the mark of the beast. And he chases them to the, end of the ends of the earth. And he goes after them. And he gets them. And he nails them. Okay? For three and a half years. Now, that's the guy we're talking about here. In 2 Thessalonians 2, you have one of the most detailed descriptions of the Antichrist outside of the book of Daniel and the book of the Revelation. Paul gives this to you. Now, watch verse 4 who opposes and exalted himself above, now watch, all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that as God, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is what? God. What is he doing there? He just rose from the dead. And you know what he says? I'm God. And he has exalted himself above and the 
phrase that catches me, all that is worshipped. Here is all of the religions of the world, and what are they going to come and do? Worship this guy, the guy we're talking about, the, the manifestation of the lie program. Now go to 2 Corinthians 11, okay? <laughs> so that was, a, that was a rabbit trail with a great emphasis there for you, okay? It's just stuff you got to kind of put together, and my brain, the way it works, we put it together. Last week, we looked at the fact that Satan has a lie plan. He's got a program. And it's a wisdom plan of deceit. And he comes and he merchandises that. He traffics it. He sells it to the angelic host. God creates hell, stops the rebellion in the angelic realm. Satan watches what God does in response. He creates man. He goes, no problem. I'll take care of man. It, I won't even break a sweat with these dumb thump mud men. You know, dirt, made of dirt, people. I got them, hands down. Oh, this will be so easy. It'll be taking candy from a baby, not even hard. And you know what? He gets her. Second uh, Corinthians 11, look at verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent, what? Beguiled Eve, beguiled to cast a spell over her. He comes in in a mystery form. He, he doesn't come in and say, okay, Eve, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to deceive you. I'm going to get you to do something you shouldn't do. He doesn't give her all of it. You ever watch a beer commercial? On the beer commercial, everything's great, isn't it? They don't tell you about the other side of it, do they? I think about that. Satan didn't do that. Satan didn't say, okay, now watch. Eve, I'm going to lie to you. You're going to believe my lie. And then this is what's going to happen. He didn't say that. He comes in and he says, yea, hath God said. You know, he, he looks at Eve and those first 40-some words that he says to Eve, the 33rd word talks about your eye being opened, illumination. 33 is a number of illumination. Now we have the, the Illuminati. So now we have conspiracy. The greatest conspiracy theory guy, the greatest deep state worker is this guy, Lucifer. He's working behind the system. He's pulling the strings. And he comes to Eve and he says, I'm Eve. Now think about Eve. She's only seen one other man in her whole life, Adam. And now here stands a guy in front of her that is beautiful. He is Superman. I mean, he's gorgeous. And she pays attention. And he gets her with, Did, there is something that God doesn't want you to know. I know there's not a secret that can be kept from me. And if you... Join me. Trust me. I will give you the ability to know all things and be like a God. Think about Genesis 3. And what does Eve say? Yep. Okay. And Adam says, this and joins her. But you see, well, how did Lucifer work? He worked in a mystery. Pro he worked with a, he, he cast a spell over. He seduced her. He trafficked his lie to her. And she fell for it. Now Paul comes along and he says, we don't do that. We work in the plainness of speech category. Now come back to Isaiah 33. The reason that Eve fell, Isaiah 33, was because she lacked knowledge to combat the lie. What was the lie? God did, God's not telling you everything. I know everything, and I will tell you, you just got to come and worship me and make me God. In Genesis 3 there, he, he looks at her. Look at, look at Genesis 3. I'm sorry. I just, this stuff is just so fascinating to me. When you look at what he says, look at Genesis 3. He starts verse 1, there, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Does he know what God said? Sure he knows. 
but he wants to see if Eve knows. So he asks the question, Eve, do you know? Did God really say that? Now what is Eve doing? She's thinking about this, isn't she? She said, verse 2 and 3 is her answer. Now watch verse 4. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as what? Gods. What is in humanity? Man wants to be what? His own God. Here's the introduction of that thought. Knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, and boom, she's gone. Doesn't say the woman thought about it. Doesn't say the woman consulted her husband, which she, she should have. She just saw it and went after it. But the thing is, is look at what he said to her in verse 5. You'll be as what? God's, but God's as what? Knowing good and evil. You see, there was a, something about Eve that she didn't understand and he put it right in front of her that if, he believed, if she believed his lie, she would then understand, and that's that issue of knowing good and evil. There's a reason why God set man to not deal with the tree of the good, knowledge of good and evil. There's a reason why Satan comes in, and it's to seduce her. It's an interesting thing in chapter 3 there, verse number 22. After the fall, the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, huh? To know what? Good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, we, we got to kick them out. And off they go. So when you come back here to Isaiah 33, there's an issue of knowing something. And that's what Satan uses. God has some information that he doesn't want you to know. I know what it is. Join the, me for $49.95 a monthly. You can know. And I'll send you the decoder ring. And I'll send you the, 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 pat, the, the code breaker. And you can know. And you can know all things. And God says, that's okay. I got a plan. I'm going to keep a secret. But I'm going to make known what I'm going to do down here with man. Now look at Isaiah 33, and look at verse number 5. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. So we're talking here about the kingdom. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, and strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Notice that. Wisdom and knowledge shall be what? The stability of thy times. You see, knowledge is the basic block of information that you're going to work by. Eve didn't have enough information, knowledge, to handle the lie. And I'm trying to make sure that you have enough to handle the, the onslaught. You see, Satan uses this tactic of you don't know. Therefore, you need help. By the way, he learned that by watching Adam and Eve function. He knew that they didn't know everything. He knew that they were a lower creature. He understood that. So he went to man and said, hey, man, guess what? I'll give you the answer. You just have to join me, okay? Now, that was last week. Review. Revelation 17, verse 5, he's the mother of what? Remember that past? Harlots. And the abomination, I just lost it, so Revelation 7, verse 5. The mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Now, that's what I want to look at this morning with you quickly and briefly, because she, if she's the mother what then does she, of harlots, what has she had? Children, offspring. She's had a line of children in the world that has come, come over to Ezekiel 28, that's come down through time, Ezekiel 28, in Genesis, 
Well, just get Ezekiel 28. That's come down through time, down through the ages, that promotes his lie and his program. In Ezekiel 28, if you start in verse 1, the word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of, the, of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God. So prophetically, we're looking at the Antichrist here, okay? We're looking at the man of sin, the son of perdition, that guy. And we're going to begin to see the plan here of the adversary. When he speaks to the son of Tyrus, the prince of Tyrus, he's not talking to the human. He's talking to the guy behind the human, okay? Just like in, in verse 12, when he says, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. And say unto him, thus saith the Lord God, verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Again, who was in Eden? The Godhead, Adam and Eve, and Satan. So he's not talking to the king. He's talking to who? Satan. By the way, Satan is the king, isn't he? The Antichrist is going to be the prince. He's just going to be a pawn. That's what, okay, he's a son. He's the lower guy. Verse 2, because, thou, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seed of God, in the midst of the seas. By the way, seas in your scripture are talking about nations, the nations out there. Okay? That's we're talking about people groups. Yet thou art a man and not God. Thou, though, uh, I'm sorry, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. That's, that's his plan. That's what exactly what Isaiah 14 says. He has the same plan that Satan, his daddy, has. So he took Satan's plan, and what did he do? He made it his plan. And he's pushing it. He's propagating it. He's putting it out there. He's Romans 1.25 in it. They take the truth of God and turn it into a lie and worship the creature more than the creator. Who's God in your life? You are. I listened to Dr. Phil the other day. I don't know why. He came on after the news or something. And I'm sitting there, and you know what it was? It was all of this, you're your own God stuff. And I'm sitting there going, man, no wonder we're such a mess. You know, it, uh, it started with uh, Phil Donahue, went to Oprah, and now it's Dr. Phil. And it's just this, man, you're on your own. You're good to go. Blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, you know, finally I just told Linda, turn that stupid stuff off. It's making me, I'm going to, I love my TV. I don't want to break it, you know, but I'm ready to break it. But see, the thing is, is it's his plan. He takes the creature and made the creature God. Verse 3, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten the riches, thou hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasure. But thy great wisdom, I'm sorry, by thy great wisdom and by thy traffic, thou hast increased thy riches and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Notice, he's trafficking. He's outselling his wisdom plan. It isn't a might plan. It isn't a power plan. We're going to defeat God. It's a wisdom plan. You want to know what the secret stuff is in the book? I got the code. And if you follow me, I'll give you the emoji so you know how to get in. I'll give you the QR code to get in. I'll give it to you. But you got to come and follow me. And he's weakened the nations, as we've looked at. That's exactly what he did to Eve in Genesis 3. By the way, we didn't finish 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Paul says, don't you be seduced away from the simplicity that's in Christ. When you hear somebody cry, give me something new, or you hear a preacher say, I found something new, do this. Because ain't nothing new coming out of his mouth. It's re-drummed up old bad stuff, more than likely. You know why? Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. And the originator of all of that mess is sitting right here. We're talking about him. Look at verse 3. He's wiser than Daniel. Think about that. Daniel had to have Gabriel come and tell him 
what he needed to tell Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, humanity has some limited limitations there. This guy is what? Wiser than Daniel, no secret can be hid from you. He doesn't need God to tell him. He can act as God. I hope you see that. Satan doesn't need to go to God to get the answer. He already what? Has it. But yet, what did God do? He kept a secret. Second, first, uh, first Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8 are the most powerful two verses that you can ever have in your repertoire when you talk about the mystery doctrine. He kept a secret, the hidden wisdom of God. Why? Because if the princes of this world had known it, what, they would not have what? Crucified the Lord of glory. There's something in this man. They kept a secret. God kept a secret. So, he, so she's, he's the mother of harlots. He's got some offspring. And the offspring are following this plan. Because what, what does all man want to do? Be their own God. Okay? Now come over with me to Judges chapter 2. I just want to quickly, I know in the overhead it looks like a lot, and on the page, and we will run through these verses quickly. But they're there for you to have. In Revelation uh, 2, I think it is, you remember them talk, he talks there about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? It's in Revelation 2. In verse number 15, is the, this is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Here's the doctrine of Baal and Balak. Here's the doctrine of, uh, of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Jeroboam, when he sets things up. And it's right here. And you can see it. Here's what they were doing. And in Scripture, it's called Baal worship. The Lord Jesus Christ calls it a vain religious tradition of men. It's vain, empty, it's religious. You've got to do it or else. You've got to do it to gain favor with God and to keep status with God. And you've got to be on it. But God says, the Lord says in Mark 7, it's a tradition of the elders. You guys have made this stuff up. And you made the word of God of none effect. And that's really what Lucifer, Satan, Satan's after. It's, for, it's to do what? Yea, hath God said. It's to make the word of God of none effect. Because in God's book, who wins in the end of the day? God does. Luce, Satan doesn't. We talked about that last hour. Satan, the world says, your God lost and our God's winning. And in the book it says, uh-uh. God of the Bible's winning, Satan loses. Okay? Judges 2, verse 11. Judges 2, 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and, notice, Ashtaroth. So in the mother of all harlots, the mother of all, notice that there, there's something added to the picture. What is added is a female deity. Here it's called Ashtaroth. Okay? In Jeremiah 44, she's called Queen of Heaven. Paul, in Acts 19, it's called Diana of Ephesus. And all, uh, Zeus, who was Zeus married to? Do you remember? Athena, female deity. You look, Eister, the fertility goddess, and you look through all of, all of, the, all of the religions of the world. Pagan, you, you look at the, the Native American religions that they promote, there's a male deity and a female deity. Now, is there a female god? No, not at all. There is just God. But what is, what, what is Lucifer saying here? Yeah, God just doesn't want you to know Mrs. God. But I'll let you know they're really... And what have they done? They've developed. I could just see the, the first 
little bit of this coming out. I could see Cain's wife in Genesis 4 saying, there better be a woman up there as he began to develop some of this. So he goes, all right, keep peace in the house. Happy wife, happy house. And, you know, here we go. But what did, what did Lucifer do here? Listen, it can't be just one. It's better to have two. So there's an introduction here to a female deity. Look over at chapter 10 of Judges. Chapter 10. And I'm not looking at every verse with you because we would be here for a couple days. But this stuff, you can run this. It starts in Genesis 3, and you can trace it all the way down. Judges 10. Look at verse 6. And the children of of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtaroth. In the end of that verse, and forsook the Lord and served not him. That the children, her children, by the way, look look at verse 6. They served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria, the gods of Zidon, the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. You see those gods of stuff? There's her children. Balaam and Ashtaroth. Baal and Ashtaroth are the head. And look at these children. Zidon has their, we, we serve Baal and Ashtaroth, but we also have, you know, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. Then you come over here, and they go, oh, and now we have Pluto and Dumbo. And then come over here, and they got, and you know what the children of Israel were doing? They were just doing them all. Hindus, the last thing I said, I read they had 38,000 gods. And they always have a god to the unknown god just in case they missed one. That's what Israel's done here. That's what the mother of is producing and it's populating. Come over to chapter uh, 17. Do you guys remember that movie several years ago, Noah, with uh, Russell Crowe in it? And it was so bad. And everybody got so mad about it and all this stuff. The problem is, is you were looking at it wrong. Because in the heathen, in the pagan religions, that is their Noah story. So what you saw was accurate according to the pagan Story, not the Bible, which dumb thump Christians, all oh, the good Noah, the Bible story. Woo! Then they go see it and they go, ooh, that's not how that happened. You know, you dummies. There are seven major plots to movies. All seven major plots are in your Bible. It's called, uh, what, what is it called when they copy? Plagiarism. Sorry, there we go. It's right there. Got Judges 17, right? Look at this. Judges 17. Verse 1, and there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Now, this isn't the prophet Micah, okay? And he said unto his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou curest and spakest of also in my ears, behold, the silver is with me, I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord for my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. Now, think about that. Moses told them, don't make any images of anything on the earth, above the earth, beneath the earth, in the sea, in the water down there. Don't be doing that. No graven images. Ten commandment number one. Thou shalt not have any other gods. Be Boom. What is she doing? Well, there's got to be better than what I've got. So let's go do this. She bought into the program. Now, she makes them and she put them in the house of Micah. Now watch this, verse 5. And the man, Micah, had a house of gods. You know what that's called? A church building. He had a church building. And in that church building, what did he put? His idols. And made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Isn't that interesting? He's got an ephod and a teraphim. That's exactly what Israel was to have. The problem is, is it's in the wrong place. 
But what do we have over here in this new religious building being built? What did Israel have? They had a tabernacle, then a temple, right? And they had pieces of furniture in it. You remember the show, the candlestick, the showbread, the tables and all that? So here's the counterfeit, and what's it doing? It's looking a lot like the real deal. Keep reading. This stuff is crazy. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's the story of Judges. Okay? By the way, he consecrated his own kid to be his what? His priest. Who was the priest supposed to be of? Aaron. Okay? And then the Levites when they show up. But now, look at the next verse. And there was a young man of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed uh, out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. What's he looking for? He's looking for a church to go work in, isn't he? He's, going to look, he's looking for a synagogue or a temple to go work in. He's a Levite. He's been trained. He's been set loose. You see it? So what does Micah say? And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me and be unto me a what? A father and a priest. Do you know a group of people who call the, the head guy father? In Matthew 23, verse number 9, God says, don't call any man father. You have one father. But yet, what's developing in Baal here? Father and priest. And I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year and a suit of apparel and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man was unto him as one of his sons. Notice he's a young man. So you got the old guy, Micah, now looking at a young guy calling him what? Father and priest. He's, at least he's not his boy, he's, but he's a what? He's a Levite. You know what Micah said? I got one from the right seminary. And the seminary, he's a Levite. He's from the right place. If I... Do you see what's, hap what's developing here? It's called religion. And it comes from the mother of all, but the mother of harlots. Because what did the word of God tell these Jewish people? Don't do that. Don't. The Ten Commandments have been given. Joshua has just left the scene. Great victory, great time in Israel's history. And yet, what did they do? They had no king, so what did they do? They, everybody did what was right in his own eyes. The guy was, the, the Levite was content. Verse 12, and Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Look at that. It's not a house of gods anymore. It's a house of who? He put his name on the building. It's like Cain when he built that city and he called it Enoch. He's got a what? He's got a legacy now. Not a dynasty, but a legacy. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Now I know, man, all the good's coming. Nothing bad's going to happen to me. Oh, really? Next chapter. In those days there was no king of it in Israel, and in those days the tribe of, of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. Uh-oh, here comes the tribe of Dan. And these guys are lovely people. They love everybody. They just, what are they looking for? We just need a little place, just a lo little slither to dwell in. For under that day all their inheritance had not fallen under them among the tribes of Israel. The reason for that is that they have been cursed by God. Okay? Now, the Danites, they get excited here. Verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 2. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coast, men of valor from Zophar and from Estral, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go, search the land who, when they come... Uh, who, when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there. So... The five guys from Dan show up, and where do they happen to land? At Micah's place. 
and you know what they see? They see the church building on the hill, top of the hill. And when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levi, and they turned in thither and said unto him, Who brought thee hither? How'd you get here? Did Micah get you? Did you got a contract? You got an employment contract with Micah? They know who he is. They know who the Levites are. And what makest thou in this place? By the way, how much is Micah paying you? Well, he's paying him what? Ten shekels and food and raiment. And uh, what hast thou here? How, how connected are you here, buddy? Let's, let's talk about this. You've got some experience being a, fa- being a priest now. You've got a little time under your belt. And he said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth, My, uh, dealeth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. Notice how the Levite has now broken. He's now what? His priest. And he calls himself that. Okay. And the priest said unto them, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 5, And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee, of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. Notice that. Go talk to God for us so we can know. And he, said unto, he says to him there, verse 6, Go in peace before the Lord is your way wherein you go. Then the five men departed, and they came, and they go off, and they, they get going, they go back to Dan, they give an account uh, verse 8 there, what say ye? Verse 9, and they said, Arise, that we may go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good, and, and, and are ye still? Be not slothful to go and to enter to possess the land. They're going to go take Micah's land. They're going to go in. And when ye go, ye shall come unto a people secure, and to a large land, for God hath given it into their hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth and there and there went from thence of the family of the Danites six hundred men appointed with weapons of war and they went up and pitched in Judah there and there, and and so forth and they come up verse thirteen and they passed thence into Mount Ephraim and came unto the house of Micah then answered the five men that went to spy out the country of of uh, Laish and said unto their brethren do ye know that there is in this house an ephod and a teraphim and a graven image and a molten image now therefore consider what ye have to do notice how he just listed what's in the house teraphim ephum a graven image and a molten image all he's you know what this guy says he goes guys we got us a church, we got us a synagogue over here, a temple, a tabernacle over here. Just like Moses said, if we go in there and if we do, then God's on our side as we go up against Laish here. And they turned thitherward, verse 15, and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, even unto the house of Micah, and saluted him. And the 600 men appointed with the weapons of war, which were the children of Dan, stood by the, in, by the entering of the gate. They, they got them surrounded. And the five men that went to spy out the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the mold. And the priest stood in the entering of the gate with the 600. They take his stuff. And these went to Micah's house and fetched the carved image and the ephod and the teraphim, verse 18, and the molted image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. It is, so they go in and take Micah's stuff, and then they go talk to the, guy, the priest, and you know what they say? Is it better for thee to be a priest under the house of one man, or, to, or that thou be a priest under the tr- a tribe and the family in Israel? Do you want a bigger church? You're over there in that small, run-down, dumpy-looking thing. Don't you want to be in the megachurch? And the priest says, well, i got to pray about it. Let me think about it. And verse 24, Micah says, Ye have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priest, and ye are gone away. And what have I more? Notice, look at that. The sad case. This is the setting up of Baal worship in the nation of Israel. Ahab, King Ahab, makes it the official religion in Israel. But there's the setting up of it. Come over to Nahum chapter 3. 
By the way, 1 Kings, ah, you know what? Shoot. 1 Kings 10, they have vestments. 1 Kings 18, or 2 Kings 10, they have vestments. Mark chapter 12, the Lord will tell them to be wary about the guys in the long coats and the, the wide, wide, they widen out their robes. Okay? 1 Kings 18, you've got Elijah dealing with the Baal guys, and they're out there cutting themselves. So that self-mutilation stuff that you see in certain religious circles, that, there it is. Psalm 16, verse 4, they're going to drink the blood of the saints. In Revelation 17, when we read there a minute ago, she's got a golden cup in her hand. The very next verse in Revelation 17 says that they drink the blood of the saints. They literally take the believing remnant... And they go over there and they lay them, they put them in the temple and they put them up there on the altar and they chop their heads off and they stick that golden cup underneath there. And you know what they do? Then they have a religious service, a communion, a mass, and the wine turned into blood. But in this case, it'll be the real deal. And they use it a part, as a part of a worship service. Hosea 13, verse 2, they kiss the idol. 1 Samuel chapter 5, you see Dagon. He's the fish god. Have you ever seen the Pope wear that really tall hat? And you know what it looks like? A fish that just doesn't happen. There it is. 1 Kings 16, all this is associated with Jericho, the building of Jericho. And Jericho was never to be rebuilt after Gideon, in the book of Judges, kills it. Come over to Nahum. Figured, have you found that one yet? Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. Nahum 3. Did I spell it right? Yeah, there you go. You see, you got all of this flowing through Scripture. So when you look out at it, at the, word, what, at the world out there, what do you know? It's the vain religious system propagated by the mother of all, the, the program of Lucifer, the program of Satan, designed to say, yea, did God really say that? And to cause man to leave and not to accomplish what they were to accomplish in God's program. Now, look at Nahum 3 and look at verse 4, because this is the scariest part. Because of the multitude of whoredoms of the well-favored harlot. Now, who would that be? That's Revelation 17. This is the, the beast the woman that rides the beast. Here's the head of it all, of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts. Woo! Look, think about that. Witchcraft, symbols. There's a star of Moloch that runs through. By the way, the star of Moloch looks a lot like the star of David that flies on the Israel's flag as Israel's representative symbol. In Scripture, the burning bush is what represents Israel. There has never been a star of David in Israel's history. Whoa. Keep reading. That selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcraft. The harlot, someone out there who's selling a benefit. But notice that it impacts who? Everybody. All the nations who, that selleth nations and families. through. So Satan has set all this up. He's got it rolling. He's got it underway. Come back to Genesis 6. Genesis 6, quickly. We do this for next time. Get it set up. Genesis 6. 
Think about this. He's going to, he, here he has this system set up. It's got a father. It's got a, uh, uh, all the, he's got a priest. He's got gods. He's got idols. He's got an ephod and a teraphim. He's got a church building. He's got everything set the way it's supposed to look just like what God set up in Israel. And you know what? 98% of it is exactly, it's the 2% that gets you every time. He does that. It's rolling. Now, God put an answer into the equation here. And he answers it with, really, the creation of man. Okay? Now, Satan studies out man. He's looked at him. Again, Satan's goal is to possess heaven and earth, to bring it all under his authority, his throne. Okay? But Satan has been watching man. Genesis 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when, man, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. Now that's Genesis 4, when Adam knows Eve and Seth is born. Okay? That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, so the angelic realm sees the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. <laughs> These guys are living to 900 and something years old. Now they just had their legs cut off to 120. Psalms are going to cut more off back down to 72. Okay? Marla was telling me she's got a lady, she's 101 she just turned. I'm like, oh my goodness. Jeez. I would be checked out a long time ago. Verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men and were of old and men of renown. Evidently, what are we having? We have giants. By the way, if you look at verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. You see the colon? And also after that. So not only did they do it here, but they're also going to do it when? After the flood. Because you got a little guy called Goliath showed up. And who was he? He was a giant. Okay? So when everybody argues about were there giants before and after the flood, the answer is yes. Because what does 6-3 just, or 6-4 tell you? There was there before, and there was some, there are going to be some after. Satan watches man. He sees this new cre creation. He's just been hit with the seed of the woman. He sees that. He sees the children. He sees Genesis 5. He sees all of that going on. And he says, I know what to do to corrupt this seed business. And that's what, okay, guys, look down there and let's go. And they onslaught. And what's happened? Well, the children, the offspring have begun what? Mighty men, which are men of renown. Okay? They have filled the earth with violence. They have been, they've completely revolted here. So God has to do what? Flood the earth. Judgment. But notice what Satan did when the angelic, those angels that kept not their first estate, come down. What is he messing with? Genetics, isn't he? He's now messing with the DNA of man. The question is why, right? Because of Genesis 3.15. He's got to do what? Pollute the seed of the woman. So what does he do? He's the first original DNA mover, mixer-upper, messer with her. But look at verse 9, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now these are the, notice that word, generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Now you see that word generation? Do you see gene in that word? Do you see generate? You see, Noah in his seed line had not been polluted with the angelic realm. 
people always run to generations being time. It's not always that way. When, he, when, the, when the Lord looks at the Pharisees and says, you are of your father, the devil, and then he calls them a generation of vipers, who generated the vipers? The devil did. So he's in the business now of, of ge- generating and creating a seed line that's going to be corrupted in humanity, except he doesn't get Noah. Noah stays the course. That's why Noah and his three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then what do you have? You've got the descendants of the Lord coming through Noah and, and his boys. So Satan begins to do what? Mess with Come over to Daniel 2. You guys, you got, you, you, I don't know where you're going. I don't know why I keep asking you if you're going anywhere. You can get up and leave any time you want. We'll mock you as you go. Look at Genesis 2. I, I'm sorry, Daniel 2. Because this is important here. He's the mother of all harlots. He's the mother of all of this. He's the source. But when he saw what God had made in man, he figured out how to corrupt man And then when God, but he didn't get everybody. But yet there's, uh, Daniel 2, look at verse 42. Now, this is the the fourth kingdom in Daniel's vision here that he's dealing with. And this is the, the, literally the kingdom of the, uh, the Antichrist and so forth. But I want you to notice something in verse 42. And as the toes of the feet, They were part iron and part clay. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, now watch, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, and they shall not cleave one to another, even as the iron is not mixed with clay. What is going to happen here? You got... Iron. There's Satan. There's the giants. There's that fallen angelic realm. And what are they doing? They're mixing with the seed of men. Clay. Men. That's what you are. You're dirt formed in the clay. He takes you and forms you. And they begin to mingle with the seed of men. Now, this is a future look. But this is also, God says, as it was in the day of battle, so shall it be over here. He's looking at the future, the fourth kingdom, and what's he saying? You've already seen this over here back in Genesis 4. Genesis 6, sorry. You've already seen that. So don't be surprised when it happens over there. Now come to Psalms 139. Why this is important and why we're, I'm harping on this. Well, I'm not harping, but. I'll harp. Psalms 139. David here is describing the creation of man, the creation of Adam. And why this is so important to, to, to get is right here. Verse number uh, 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Look at what David knows. David knows that he was conceived. You go to Psalms 51, and what does he know? He, the conception of my mother's womb. He knows how this works. There's no scientist here, no biology. He, well, there is biology, but no biologist he, he no, no doctor, he understood how, and how he understood it was from the Word of God. Now watch verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee. Now again, he's talking to the Lord. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now by the way, the lowest parts of the earth, that's not talking about hell. Don't... We were looking yesterday about, in Ephesians 4, ascending and descending to the lowest parts of the hell. You, the lowest parts of the hell is you. I'm sorry, the lowest parts of the earth is what made up you. It's dirt. 
You're made from dirt. That's the lowest do bottom do uh, common denominator. It's the lowest rung. He didn't make you out of the tree. I think about trees are beautiful and glorious and huge. He made you out of dirt. It's fascinating that when he told Satan, you're going to crawl on your belly in the dust of the ground. Why? Because man's going to walk all over you one day. By the way, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to do that. You guys, this gets so exciting. I know you've been sitting, and I'm sorry, but, man, this just tickles the funny bone here. It just, man, it's right where he goes. Because look at what he's going to say. My substance. What, is, what makes up you? DNA. DNA makes you up. God has a book of DNA. Thine eyes, verse 16, did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, even as yet there was none of them. What David is saying is, look, Lord, you have a book of DNA. And when you made man, you brought the book of DNA out and you dress him. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Satan didn't know that. Because Satan could only see the external. He could not see what was going on inside. The soul of man. You're made up of 46 chromosomes. 23 from male, 23 from the female. Mom and dad. You're made that way according to the book of DNA. That's, where you're, that's how you're made. And you know what Satan was trying to do? Corrupt that book of DNA. And guess what? He's still trying to do it today. But today, the corruption is on a spiritual realm. Because what is he trying to do? 2 Corinthians 11.3, corrupt your minds from the what? The simplicity that's in Christ. When you and I are, when, when, you, when we are saved, we are regenerated, right? Titus 3. We're regenerated by the word of God. James 1 calls it the engrafting of the word. So think about that. When you got saved, your spiritual DNA is engrafted into the very DNA of Christ. Now we're talking spiritually. Because you are now what? Co-death, burial, and resurrection. The identification truths. You belong, you're a son of God. Now physically we don't have that DNA yet until we get that wonderful, glorious new body. But spiritually, where are we? We're right there. See, Satan's goal was to take creation and make himself the king. He started by corrupting the word of God. Yea, hath God said. And that then began to corrupt man. And that then began to destroy what God was doing with man. And God, you know, God didn't go, oh no, what are we going to do? God said, that's okay. Because what Satan's missing is what I'm going to do on the inside of man with that inner man. And I'm going to, I could just see the Lord, because he's got a sense of humor, chuckling as Satan's doing this, going, hey, he doesn't know the secret. Okay, let's go, you know. Because what happens? Well, the secret that God kept was this issue of the DNA of the new creature, of you and I. And he now reveals it, and what did they do? Oh, now, the onslaught is against your spiritual DNA. You got time for one more verse? I hope you do. No? 1 Corinthians 6, or 2 Corinthians 6. Just write it down. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what dark? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? All of that is religion. And what's he using today? Religion to do what? To get you to be corrupted. 
For ye are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The unclean thing there is that religious system. You see, he's the mother of all. All of it. And his goal now is turned onto you because of that issue of that spiritual DNA. Now, we're going to talk more about that next time, okay? All right. You've only been sitting an hour, so you'll, you'll be okay. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, we just thank you for everything that you've given to us in your son. For there's nothing that we could think or want that you haven't already provided for. And Lord, I just pray that we would be usable in your plan and in your purpose today in time, as we go day by day, as we apply the word of God to our hearts, to our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll stand